Sunday is Oscar Day and that little excerpt from the 10th anniversary concert of the musical Les Miserables leads us to our next item where Jerry McArdle and our regular film correspondent Barry Macmillan, a lecturer in theology and ethics at Galway Mayo IT, have been to see two of the contenders, the aforementioned Les Mis and Lincoln. Over to them. So, Barry, did you hear the people sing? <laughs> yes, uh, in fact, I did. The novel was a phenomenon. Uh, the stage production continues to be a remarkable phenomenon. Uh, and now the film uh, is nominated for any number of serious Oscars. So, uh, so yes, I did hear the people sing, uh, along with the multitude. And it's very much grist to our mill because uh, it is so explicitly religious, isn't it? It, uh, I, I mean, I first saw the production uh, in London more than I think more than twenty five years ago, um, and it struck me then, and it strikes me now as really quite remarkable that something that is this explicitly religious not only exists but uh, had the amount of investment put into it uh, that it's had and that it has been, as I say, the kind of cultural and in some ways touchstone that it is. Uh, It's absolutely unapologetic about the fact that it is in its core religious uh, and it's quite prepared to irk people and it really, really does. I mean, that piece we played at the beginning there, to, to love another person is to see the face of God, that could come out of any theology book, couldn't it? Absolutely, and this is this is. I mean, it's it places uh, spirituality. It places that that spark of the divine right at the heart of the most fundamental things of life. And I think that is a remarkable thing for any piece of art to do. It is more significantly very remarkable for a piece of populist art to do. I liked the film uh, considerably less. Uh, that I liked, uh, that I liked the stage production for a variety of reasons. The film seems to me to be a bit over-directed. Um, the uh, the big scenes are, I think, bombastically big. The intimate scenes are kind of um, nasal hair, countingly close up, uh, and I think there's something slightly overdone in both directions. Uh, one of the other things which is a bit overdone is uh, an, an immense amount of framing of shots with crosses either in the background over someone's shoulder, looming down, um, pullback shots where the crosses suddenly appear in the foreground, whatever. So I, so I think that bit's a bit overdone. It leaves no doubt about the tone of the piece, uh, but I think uh, it's one of the aspects that's a little bit overworked. Lots and lots of parts of the film continue to be so theatrical, in fact, that they don't work for me as film. It's a theatrical piece. I think they needed either to decide to film a theatrical piece or to actually go the whole hog and make the whole thing cinematic. Let's go back to to more to our territory. Valjean, Man of Faith. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the great strength uh, of it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderfully rich character who represents uh, a, a figure of redemption who has been bought for God, who takes that covenant, for want of a word, uh, with God immensely seriously uh, and starts to live a life 
uh, in which in which that remarkable uh, turning around, that remarkable metanoia, is manifest in in the daily uh, existence that he has. Uh, it's borne out uh, in a very practical, pragmatic living faith. Uh, we see where he makes himself vulnerable to the police authorities when he when he rescues the man who's trapped under the cart. Uh, this real uh, kind of really profound sense of responsibility he has to Fontaine and Cosette, to the citizens of the town of which he's mayor, uh, and then when he joins uh, the underdog, the underclass, the miserable uh, on the barricade. Um, it's not quite liberation theology, but it's very far from a kind of bells and smells or, or private piety version of religion. And there's a lot of criticism running through it on the failure of society or on the failure of individuals to act on behalf of the poor. Absolutely. There's an immensely instructive relationship or dynamic that comes in between the, the police constable Javert uh, and between uh, Valjean. Uh, Javert, uh, a man with a very uh, limited, uh, very uh, restricted, legalistic notion of morality. It's about duty, uh, it's about following the rules and it's about making sure that the observation of the rules keep everything as they should be. Um, it's a very barren notion of morality uh, and I would suspect reflects a very barren notion uh, of God, a very barren spirituality. Valjean, on the other hand, and we see this through through the song Who Am I? Uh, when when he, he wrestles with, is he going to in fact um, declare who he is in order to save uh, the, the life of another man uh, and therefore jeopardise himself uh, he says um, how, uh, if he doesn't declare who he is how can I ever face my fellow men how can I ever face myself again my soul belongs to God I know I made that bargain long ago he gave me hope when hope was gone he gave me strength to journey on who am I? I'm Jean Valjean it's a profoundly internal uh, grasping of the relationship with God. He experiences morality as a, com- as a combination of inner conviction, of personal growth of love and of social transformation. So there's two wonderful portraits at the heart of this of, of if you like, spiritual uh, and moral lives lived and that's one of the things that survives the transition from, from stage to film OK, well let's go on to the other film that's, that's uh, registered on our radar and it's Lincoln We here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom Congress must never declare equal those whom God created unequal. Leave the Constitution alone. So Les Mis and Lincoln, how do they relate to each other? Only in part. I mean, Lincoln, for our conversation here, is a much less rich experience. Um, I found it dry. Uh, I found it meandering uh, and I found it disappointing and I regret uh, having to say all of those things because I have a huge admiration for a number of the people involved not particularly Steven Spielberg I think Spielberg's a bit overrated uh, but Daniel Day-Lewis I've That was a magnificent performance Absolutely I mean, It really was you know, Daniel Day-Lewis I have immense respect for it's a terrific performance uh, and he has won all the awards and he will continue to, he you know, undoubtedly will win the Oscar for it The other person involved I have immense, immense respect for is Tony Kushner who wrote the screenplay but, but in fact it was a big ad to try and turn something so wordy and so complex into something compelling, particularly when we all know the outcome. But, but like but like Les Mis, I mean, it does deal with the oppressed and liberating the oppressed. It does. Um, even though Les Mis is the more... Um, 
uh, overtly religious of the two. Uh, there's, a, there's a real note of hagiography that runs through uh, that runs through Lincoln. You know, the film is called Lincoln. Uh, it's clearly about uh, a cause uh, to which no reasonable person could have any opposition: the abolition of slavery. It's also infused with some, I think, very specific resonances of the contemporary American political situation, uh, where uh, from those sympathetic to Barack Obama, you know, who, who see uh, a noble figure of principle who has to to deal with the self-interest and the political pettiness of the opposition, and this weaves back and forward. It's very difficult not to watch it. Uh, and and to feel that if you have any sense of what's been going on uh, in terms of say, the fiscal cliff negotiations and this kind of thing that's been going on in the States. It's interesting you mentioned Barack Obama there because to me Daniel Day-Lewis vocally was tending towards Clinton a bit. I suppose there's something in the southern... There's kind of that, you know, sort of thing that, 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 that uh, Clinton used to do. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Well, at the moment... Um, the, the debate in Ireland, the natural laws being thrown around all over the place and a lot of the debates we're having in this country. And one of the things I had never heard before was the anti-abolitionist uh, position relying on natural law. Yeah. It's a terribly interesting uh, moment in it, and it was in the clip that we just heard there, that we hear uh, the anti-abolitionist position articulated in terms of the natural law of God's will. Um, and how in hindsight we're able uh, to read that particular exchange, we're able to read that particular scene as an unjust social reality being theologized in order to protect an ideological status quo. When you hear Congress must never declare as equal those who God has created unequal uh, and have the, the, the degree of hindsight we have to see that for what it is, uh, there can't be anybody uh, who, who makes claims about the way God has made things. There can't be anybody who sees all of that and who doesn't um, surely feel some kind of salient lesson uh, about resisting the temptation of appropriating God on our side. How do you feel it represented African-Americans? Yeah, teary-eyed, freed slaves um, smiling gratefully in the gallery of the House of Representatives as the amendment is passed. There's just something paternalistic and, and um, I don't know, almost condescending in that, that just, you know, aside from anything else, it's not historically accurate. So so therefore, it's it's also serving some directorial purpose I don't know it, it just it just felt too much like um, like look 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 how look how the blacks were grateful to the good whites what about the two black soldiers though at the beginning reciting the Gettysburg address I mean come on uh, well uh, <laughs> that's 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 somewhere I was not going to go because because that's so, I couldn't resist it that's so sickly but it does lay it out for you you know where you're going with the film tell me if the Holy Spirit is guiding the Academy voters on Sunday where do you think the spirit might blow um, I think Jerry uh, I'll have to uh, plead the fifth on that uh, and invoke scripture and say the spirit will blow where it will. Barry Macmillan was talking to Jerry McArdle. And that's our programme for this week. We always welcome your comments. And even if we can't reply to all your messages, we do take what you say on board. Our phone number is 01 
0208-208-2039 and the email address is godslot at rte.ie while the postal address is the godslot rte radio 1 Dublin 4. At half past ten on Sunday evening on RTE1 television, you can see a special documentary called A Farewell to Benedict, in which McPilo assesses the life and legacy of Pope Benedict XVI. While next Friday here on The Godslot, we'll be consulting some true experts, a group of schoolchildren from Ballybunion in County Kerry, who express their views on papal resignations and what retired popes might get up to out of the mouths of babes as St. Matthew's Gospel says. Until then, Banak Jalif.